job, bud. You did a good job. Philippians chapter number four here tonight. And uh, if you're not typically in here on Wednesday night because uh, you're back with kids or um, have other responsibilities on Wednesday night and the discipleship or whatever, uh, unable to be in here, um, we're going to throw a little monkey wrench in how all this works normally. And uh, I talked to the pastor and he said it was okay. And so, um, so uh, Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we've been dealing with um, dollars and cents on Sunday night and kind of more a practical approach to this thing of uh, personal finances. And uh, it's been very good, very productive. And uh, just knowing where we've been in the book of Philippians, uh, missing two weeks in a row, and this message just is one that uh, just is so good, so applicable. Um, the truth in Scripture is just so very, very, very helpful, uh, especially around this time of year. And it ties in so well with Thanksgiving. And y'all are like, that was Thursday. It's Christmas time now. Well, I understand. I understand. We're, uh, but uh, let me indulge me a little bit as we talk about some things with Thanksgiving, uh, some wonderful things uh, that Thanksgiving does. Uh, Thanksgiving is a key that unlocks a lot of things in the believer's life. If we could just learn to be thankful, uh, learn to be content, learn to be thankful, learn gratefulness, uh, it would go a very, very long way. And so just kind of made the decision uh, because of having a missionary Wednesday night, uh, just decided, hey, let's move this here and uh, just kind of rearrange some things, and that way we can address this subject that I've been looking forward to doing. And so uh, forgive me for getting things out of order, uh, but uh, this is what we're going to do. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. If you found your place there and you're able to, let's stand uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 1, uh, just to get the flow of thought. Again, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, this is not a new concept for you, and we've been in these verses, uh, although be it, it's been a couple weeks, uh, but for those who haven't, just so we get the clear flow of thought of where we are in Philippians 4. So Philippians 4, 1 says this, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Uh, he says all these gushing words about how much he loves them and how much they're like his children, and they're just so kind because he's about to give them a spanking, okay? Um, so in verse number two, he says this, I beseech Iodias and beseech Sintichi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto, here's the hard part, all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6 is our text for tonight where it says this, be careful for some things. Okay, I want to make sure you're following along here and reading that because it actually says be careful for nothing, right? But in some things, <laughs> but in everything, okay, the Bible doesn't always speak in superlatives. It doesn't always speak in absolutes. So when it does, there needs to be some attention given there, okay? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And if you're in the habit of underlining your Bible, underline these next two words, with thanksgiving. The key 
that unlocks the passage here. Let your requests be made known unto God. And we all love verse 7 because here's what happens when you do that. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep like a castle, building a moat and a castle around it. We'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'd like to preach to you tonight, talk on the subject, the stress point. Stress point. May God bless you. He's ready. You can be seated. And thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here tonight. <clears throat> you don't have to answer this question. It's more meant as a rhetorical one. Are you stressed out tonight? <laughs> amen. That's good. From the mouth of babes. Amen. But uh, you're stressed out. From the, the chuckles even before the, the outburst from children... Uh, I would reckon to say this, uh, anxiety and stress are a part of even believers' lives. There are times that we feel overwhelmed or we feel stressed or we feel anxiety and it just gets a little overwhelming. Now, stress is a term that's not only used in regard to an emotion that we feel, but it's also something that's used in building materials. So that we would talk about what is the load or the stress that this particular board or building material can handle before it's going to buckle or break under the pressure. Now we would call that rating or that level in which it can hold weight to, we would call that the stress point or the, the, the max load that that thing can carry before it begins to break. So we would say, okay, th this board can hold this much, but at this point, it's going to start having some structural damage that happens to it because that board is not intended to hold that weight. Can I submit to you here this evening, we are not designed to carry the weight of everything we go through in life. You will buckle, you will break. There are things that will happen in your life that will say it this way. They are stress points. They are loads on your life that you are not designed to carry. So you say, well, what really needs to happen then? Well, we can't carry the weight, but God can. And through Christ, God has given us the ability here in Philippians 4 to talk about this thing where we can allow the weight in which we're able to carry to be so much greater because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And although there's still a weight there and there's still a load to be carried, he bears the brunt of it. And so here we have, if we will, the key to how to handle pressure and stress within our life and more importantly to the text here in church life. Okay? Because that inevitably comes as well. Now, just a, a, by way of somewhat review here, we're going to do this pretty quickly. The book of Philippians is primarily about this. Knowing Christ and experiencing joy and rejoicing through knowing Christ. The book is not about joy and rejoicing. It's about Him. But the more you know Jesus, the more you know joy. So he comes to the conclusion of the book here and he says, Therefore... And he begins to bring all these principles of the book to bear on a situation that has begun to happen there uh, at the uh, church in Philippi. Now, again, we don't know all that is happening here, but Paul is very interested and very concerned with these two ladies, so much so 
that their names are eternally recorded in the Word of God. Eodius and Setuchi. I don't know what they were fighting over. We've made some speculations. We're not going to do that any further. But for some reason, Eodius and Sintichi are mad at each other. They've had some kind of squabble. And he says, y'all need to help those ladies get over this problem that they have. They've got some issue that's going on. So unity mattered to Paul. And this unfortunate squabble was causing the church. It had spilled over to the whole church. And it was causing some lack of unity. So Paul gives, if we want to call it this, a prescription for unity, a prescription to be able to have unity and fix disunity within a church, how to solve conflict, how to fix problems when there's interpersonal relationship issues. So the first one he talks about in verse number four is he says this, rejoice in the Lord. Unfortunately, too many people try to find joy in their circumstances, which never will happen, instead of placing their joy in the Lord alone. It all has to do with your perspective on God. If you have the right perspective and you have your eyes on the Lord, it's hard to get mad at other people. It really is. The second thing that he talks about is, let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, moderation, of course, is not being too extreme off to the right hand or too extreme off to the left hand. It's just right down the line. Moderate, right? And so it'd be kind of the, the word that we would use today would be triggered. That'd be the modern vernacular. Knee-jerking, a reaction. Somebody does something and you fly off the handle after them. And so Paul comes in and he says, let your moderation be known, but let it be known unto all men. Now that is difficult because some people push our buttons. And they cause a reaction that sometimes we just say, I know this is wrong, but I just want to be angry at them. And they push our buttons. And so Paul says here, let your moderation be known, but it is capable to allow your moderation to be known unto all men. How do we do that? Well, the Lord's at hand, he says in verse 5. That's a comforting thought, that because Christ has forgiven you, it enables you to be gracious to the faults of other people. And that's what he talks about there with this uh, attitude of moderation. Now, Paul gives us the third prescription for resolving division. So this is how to deal with difficult situations when stress, anxiety, and worry are a part of the equation. Stress, anxiety, and worry can be highly debilitating and can stifle any momentum a church thought they had. When people are beaten up, discouraged, and stressed out, usually division is quick to raise its ugly head. Pretty quick to do that. So if you'll remember in chapter number 1, um, we won't read it, but verse 28 and 29 of chapter number 1, Paul actually talks about that at Philippi, there's persecution right now. So right now, the believers in Philippi are like underground churching. They are at threat of losing their life, their livelihoods, their families, their jobs, their wealth, you name it. <clears throat> They're under persecution and threat. And so Paul understands this delicate situation very real. Now, listen, I understand persecution can take several forms, many of which probably we don't feel today. 
But it can take a physical attack, somebody actually beating somebody up or killing them or something like that. It could be a financial attack, somebody seizing wealth or firing them from their job. It could be a relational attack. Some people feel that in the Muslim world today. If you're a believer in Christ, then you're dead to us. You're no longer a part of this family. You're removed from us. So no doubt, to some degree, in one or maybe all of these categories, the Philippian church was experiencing this. There was persecution that was going on. Now that'll cause a little bit of stress in somebody's life. Now I would dare say we probably don't have the same thing happening in our life, but yet there are things that happen. Now I want to call these stress points. Points of weakness where we become susceptible to stress and anxiety. Events and points where a heavy load is put on our life and if we're not careful, we'll break. We're not meant to carry it. It's too much for us to be able to handle. So a stress point, let me give you just a, a few examples of this. A job situation could be a stress point. A new position within a job. Losing your job. Being unhappy in your job. Having a heavy workload or too much responsibility. What about this one? Poor management. Leadership. Making it just miserable to work there. Bad co-workers. Harassment. I mean, the list could go on. Those can be stressors on a person's life. What about this one? Difficulties at home. Now, again, we could flesh this out in a lot of different ways. It could be this, uh, the death of a loved one. What a major stress point that is. If somebody very dear and close to you passes away and it's a big stressor. Divorce or marriage problems. That's a big stressor. That can weigh around your neck all day long and be problematic. Bills, financial troubles. Those are big ones. You start to realize, man, there, there seems like just trying to keep up with my finances and trying to do all this, worrying about money, arguing about money, guilt about spending money, being afraid about answer the phone or open the mail because there's something to do with money. That can be something that brings stress and anxiety and overwhelming feeling. Chronic illness, health, energy, uh, injuries, care of an elderly family member, children, just children can be stressful. It'd drive you crazy. A traumatic event. Somebody robs you. A natural disaster happens. Something tragic that nobody planned on taking place happens. And sometimes it's this. Sometimes life is just life. Sometimes you're just going through life and life feels overwhelming and it feels too much. It feels like you're just stressed out because life is happening. Do you know sometimes even good things can be stressful? I remember being so excited when our first child was born. And then we brought him home, and he screamed and cried and pooped and wanted to eat all the time, and it was kind of stressful. And then we just were gluttons for pain, so we did it again three more times. And after the fourth one, they said, no more, we're done, I'm stressed out, right? Uh, sometimes a blessing, children are a heritage of the Lord, it's a blessing. Uh, joking aside, I, I love our kids, I'm very thankful for every one of them, but bringing a kid home can be stressful. About planning a wedding. That was stressful. I was, I was just ready to just go elope and be done with the thing, but Evie said we needed to have a big wedding. And so we had the wedding, you know, and all that. And, um, but that was stressful, planning all those. We're in the process of this, a new home, you know, the process of finding a home, closing the home, moving. 
Lord, deliver us from moving, right? Moving, that's a, a difficult thing to do. Company coming over to the house, that's a good thing. Maybe you were having a bunch of people over for Thanksgiving and you were up at two in the morning cleaning the baseboards because people really care about how clean your baseboards are, you know? And you were stressed out about that. Somebody's coming over. A new job. You'd be, listen, even positive things can be stressful, can't they? It doesn't always have to be something that is negative. Now, these events and moments, these stress points, things that happen that can be a load on us, that can become almost overwhelming, they don't have to induce worry. They don't have to bring stress. They don't have to bring anxiety and care, but they can, can't they? Just because a stress point happens in your life doesn't mean you have to be full of anxiety, but it can be very easy to be at that moment. So what happens? When we become overwhelmed with stress, there's some physical outcomes that even come about because of that. Stress, an emotion, can cause physical harm, like headaches, fatigue, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, upset stomach, irritability, depression, high blood pressure, abnormal heartbeat, heart disease, heart attack, heartburn, ulcers, weight gain or loss, skin problems, flare-up of asthma, arthritis, and the list could go on. Thank you, WebMD, right? <laughs> well, what is that? Well, when we give in to stress, it can affect us even physically. What one of us in our adult life haven't woken up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because of something we were worrying about? Some anxiety or stress, worried about the kids, worried about the finances, worried about the house, worried about this problem, worried about our relationships, worried about this, that, or the other. I mean, come on, it can happen to us where there are issues and problems. They say most of these issues that come about physically are because our body enters this fight or flight state. And when we're full of this stress and anxiety and fear that comes about because of that, it triggers this fight or flight mentality and it can overwhelm our body. It can just be more than we can actually handle. You can age quicker, become prone to illness, all because of stress. So what happens when a stress point comes? Well, according to the Bible here, when there's something stressful that comes into our life, you have one of two options. You ready for these? The first one is this, you can be careful. Now, this is not a three-year-old who hits his head on the side of the table and his mom goes, be careful. That'd be a good warning before he hits his head on the table, right? That's not what the word here is being used as. Being careful, if you look at it this way, is being full of care. So the mentality or the attitude that's being behind this is that when we are careful, we allow anxiety and trouble and worry and stress to flood our souls and just rule and reign supreme. So what does that look like? Well, if you're full of care, you worry. Jesus described it pretty well in the Sermon on the Mount with this. You begin to take thought. Remember Jesus when he talked to him and he said, take no thought what you'll, you'll wear, or what you'll do, or what you'll do in this situation. Well, what does it mean to take thought, this worry? Well, you allow it to consume every part of your thinking, and not in a good way. An author stated it this way, fear actually relies on faith. It's simply faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing your faith in what ifs rather than God is. 
Now, listen, if you've ever been in this situation before, when you allow yourself to be full of cares, something stressful happens, it's amazing how our mind can go, and we can start to make that problem pretty big pretty fast. And as we start to worry, we worry more, and we worry more, and our mind can begin to race, and we start to put faith in the what-ifs of stuff that's never happened, more than placing our faith in God is. It's a great danger that happens when we begin to look where we're full of care. Okay? When we begin to look inward is another thing that happens. You ever have this? You start to think about the problem and you're like, maybe it's a financial problem. And you're sitting there, you're like, man, I've got this financial problem. And we take it and we start to blow it out of proportion. Our mind starts to run rampant. And then we start to look inward for the solutions. Well, I need to do this and I need to cut back here and I need to change this. Now, in some ways, it's probably a wise and prudent thing to do. But I'm going to tell you this, fear is a bad motivator. And when you're full of anxiety and stress and fear and you start looking inward for all these solutions, well, I need to tweak this and I need to change this and I modify this, you are starting to look inward instead of looking upward. Relationship problems, we can start to do the same thing. Man, I've got this issue in my marriage. What I need to do is I need to arrange this counseling session. I'm going to read this book and we're going to do this three-step program and we're going to do this and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to arrange this. If we're not careful, we start to look inward for solutions and start trying to find how we can solve the problem on our own. Well, that inevitably leads to this. Worry. We begin being full of thought which then starts looking inward for solutions, which then becomes this, solving problems by creating more problems. Like the old mythical creature of the hydra, we cut one head off only to produce two more. We allow our emotions to dictate our responses to situation, and a dangerous outcome awaits. We don't think, instead we react. The result of being full of care is more stress, no peace, no solution, more problems. You say, well, we have any examples in the Bible of this? I'm glad you ask. Thank you for that. In Luke chapter number 10, there's a story where Jesus shows up at some of his favorite family house, Lazarus and Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha. They show up with the disciples, and so when they get there, Martha is like, the master's here, we need to roll out the red carpet, I got a lot to do. The baseboards are dirty. She gets busy cleaning the baseboards, right? She's in the kitchen prepping food. She's trying to clean. She's trying to get everything ready. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to his teaching that he's given. Now, as all this is happening, Martha just loses her mind. Actually, the description is Martha was cumbered about much serving. That's how it's described in the Bible. What is that? It's a stress point. She has... God himself sitting in her living room. Come on, ladies. You were stressing out because Uncle Bill came over. And, and you're talking about, here's Martha, and she's got Jesus sitting in her living room. And she is stressing out about, okay, the baked potatoes have to be perfect. I've got to have this out at the right time. I mean, the disciples are waiting. I've got to have this stuff taken care of. Did somebody wash their feet when they showed up? Are the baseboards dirty? She's freaking out over this. And, and maybe rightly so, Right? And here she is, and she is cumbered about much serving. What can I do for you? How can I take care of this? And she's just overwhelmed. She is stressed out. So what is the response? Well, she does the right thing. She goes to Jesus. 
kind of handles it in the wrong way, and she goes, Jesus, make my sister get up and help me. <laughs> this is her responsibility, too. Now, it sounds almost like uh, siblings, doesn't it? Yeah. Some of that never leaves. And so here you have Martha, but isn't it interesting Jesus' response to her? Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10. Martha, Martha, thou art, now notice it, careful and troubled about many things. Jesus wasn't mad at her for serving, but he did point out something. You're stressed out and you've allowed your stress to fill you with care and worry and anxiety. And that doesn't come from me. Jesus had to point that out. Now, how does that happen? Well, Martha had a problem she began to worry about, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then she looked inward for problems, so solutions to it. She, begot, she got cumbered about all these issues. And then she solved her problem by making a bigger problem. She interrupted Jesus' teaching to call out her deadbeat sister to go in there and help her. But you remember what Jesus said, she's chosen the good part, right? And so here we have this illustration. So here's what the Bible says. Is there anything that we're supposed to be careful about, church? Nope. The Bible says be careful for what? Nothing. Zero. Now, whoa, you don't understand. My, my marriage is really, be careful for, no, 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 you don't understand my financial situation. Be careful for Nothing. Well, you don't understand what that person in the church did. This is a big problem, and I'm just overwhelmed with this. This is more than I can handle. Be careful for nothing. The, 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 he says here, listen, if you allow stress and anxiety to overwhelm your life, you know what is a quick thing that's going to come about after that? Conflict. A stressed out marriage is a marriage that's probably full of conflict. A stressed out church is probably a church that has conflict in it. Stress will lead to conflict. So what do we need to do? Well, he says here in this verse, be careful for nothing but in everything by what? Prayer. So here's the other option. First option is this. Something stressful happens, you can do this. You can be full of care. The other option is this. You can pray. Oh, here we go again, right? It's right there in the text, though. He says that you can be prayerful. So what does that look like? Well, take your needs to God. Instead of looking inward and allowing yourself to become stressed out, allow yourself to stop and talk to God. Craig Grishel said it this way, anxiety is a signal alerting you to pray. Anytime you find yourself and you begin that process of having that anxiety, of having something bigger than you are, some stressor come in your life and it feels overwhelming, it ought to be an alarm that goes off in your head that says, I need to stop what I'm doing right now. Before I start trying to find solutions and trying to accomplish this all in my own brain, I need to stop and I need to hit my knees and I need to talk to God. I need to spend some time in prayer. It's an alert that begins to go off and says this, God wants me to be careful for nothing. He instead wants me to respond to the problem with prayer. So God wants you to hit your knees with prayer. You say, well, should I just pray and then leave it there? Well, pray and then pray some more and then continue to pray some more about it. And we have a bad tendency of praying for something and then picking the problem back up. Come to the altar and you pray about it, and then you go sit in your pew and you go, now what am I going to do about this? <laughs> we begin to worry and stress about that, don't we? 
So keep going to God in prayer over and over and over again. When the doctor gives bad news, pray. When the finances are tight despite your best efforts and planning, pray. When the children are running you up one wall and down the other, pray. When life seems too overwhelming to cope with, pray and then pray some more. I don't mean to be too light on this subject here, but there's the cute Disney show with the little fish that says, keep swimming. If you say it this way, just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep praying, pray, pray, pray. Constantly pray, constantly be going before the Lord. Now here's the key. He says, prayer and supplication, here's the key word, ready? With thanksgiving. That illustration I talked about earlier of coming to the altar and praying for something and then you go back to the pew and you go, now what am I going to do about it? Or you're laying there in bed and your mind won't quit racing. And so you go, I know I need to pray. So you pray and then you finish praying and then your mind starts racing again. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, maybe I'm the only one that experiences that, but I think I'm not. That, that you've experienced it before. It's like your anxiety, your worry sticks to you. It's like really sticky. And you're like, you pray about it and you give it to God and then it goes, and it comes back on you. And you're like, what do I need to do to get rid of this? It just won't go away. And you like, get it off one hand, it's on the other hand. You get it off that hand, it's, on, it's like it just sticks to you. That worry is just there. It seems like no matter what you do, you can't wrestle it free. You get rid of it for one night. You put on a show or a TV uh, series or a movie or you read a book and it's like you numb it for just a little bit and then it just resurges and it comes back. You come to church and you get around people and it seems like it goes away for a little bit and then in the quiet of your room it just comes rushing back again. Come on now, that's anxiety, that's stress, that's worry. It can be overwhelming, it can be uh, take your breath away. And so what does he say to do? Well, he says you can be full of care, you can go to God in prayer, but here's the key to make it not sticky. Here is your solvent in the spiritual realm to get the sticky of worry and anxiety off of you. Thanksgiving. Here's the way this works. Go before the Lord and you say, God, I am worried. I am stressed out. I am full of care about this issue. It is overwhelming me. And I am not designed to carry it. You are, and I need your help. So here's the solution. You confess that to God in prayer. Then you go into the mode of thanksgiving. Well, what does that look like? Well, don't count sheep. Count your blessings, name them one by one. If you find yourself laying in bed and you can't go to sleep because you are overwhelmed with this anxiety, start counting blessings. Give God thanks for the good. What that does is it takes a problem, that carefulness, being full of care, will take a problem and will blow it up like this. What Thanksgiving does is it'll take a problem and it'll reduce it and reduce it and reduce it. Why? Well, if God was big enough to save your soul, to give you your family, to take you through that previous trial that you went through, to love on you the way that He has, to bless you with another day of breath and life, to give you the Word of God, to give you the Holy Spirit, to provide you with that wonderful meal, to allow you to have the Thanksgiving dinner, to allow you to clean the baseboards the last time family came over. If He allowed you to do all of those things, right, you'd be thankful for them, then what happens is, is God allows you to see his sufficiency to provide in every situation. Anxiety and stress start to melt away when we are full of thanksgiving. So again, just for sake of time here, well, what happens then in verse number seven? Well, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, 
shall keep your heart and mind. That is a comforting verse. Well, what is that? When you start praying with thanksgiving, brick by brick, layer by layer of mortar, God begins to build a keep around your soul and around your heart. And what that does is He begins to build that keep and that protective layer as you begin to pray with thanksgiving, offering up those thanksgiving prayers to God and talking to Him about not the problem, but about the praises of how good He is. And what He does is He begins to build a keep around your heart of peace and joy and goodness. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced it, the peace that I'm talking about, it passes understanding. At least that's what the Bible says, which means this. I, I don't really know how to explain it because I don't really fully understand it. Because I've gone to the altar a hundred times before and prayed about things and not gotten rid of it. And then I've gone to the Lord with thanksgiving and God kept my heart and gave me peace that I didn't even fully understand. But I was able to go, it's okay. The Lord's got this. I can let it go. So church, here's the, here's the thing. When stress points come in your life, key thing here, secret, they will. You will have stressors that come in your life. Not everyone will hear the dreaded word cancer. But for some, it will come. Not everyone will have a, a death of a loved one. But for a lot of us, it will come maybe sooner than we're thinking. Not all of us will deal with struggles and issues in our marriage, but for some, it's there or it's coming. Now listen, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer and all this, but I am understanding we live in a broken and a fallen world. And stress is a very real reality. And if we're not careful, if we allow stress to build up in our personal lives, think about what that does of the overflow of a New Testament church like Bible Baptist. You know what I think happened with Eodius and Sintichi? At least it's right here in the Bible, so it seems to be a part of it is there was something going on in one of these ladies' lives that was probably overwhelming. And the other one did something, and it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. The stress and worry and anxiety was so much, they were just overwhelmed by persecution and problems in their life, that when that person did something, it was all they could do, and now it's turned into this big divisive thing. Maybe it is you've walked into church today, and you feel like you're holding on by a thread, and you feel like, man, division's just around the corner. Somebody says something the wrong way. Well, we can nip a lot of that in the bud if we can deal with a lot of those stressors and those problems and those anxiety in our life. Well, how do we do with that? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not by being full of care. It's not by sitting there wringing your hands and worrying about the problem. That has never fixed the problem. It only makes it bigger. Well, what does it look like? Prayer with thanksgiving. Learn how to go before God and say thank you for and just start listing off every... Well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Trust me, you can find at least something. And that something usually bleeds and helps you find something else. And then that something else will help you find something else. And before long, you'll be surprised how much you have to be thankful for. Isn't that what the song says? Count your blessings, name them one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. I'm telling you, it's very true, not only in the song, but in the scriptures. And here's what God inevitably will do, not because the preacher said it, but because the eternal word of God says it, is the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. He will give you peace that you can't even begin to even fathom how good it is. God can provide in your life. That's available for you as a child of God.
but you have a choice. Stress, be full of care, or go to God with prayer, with thanksgiving. Let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation here tonight.